Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yes, yes. Welcome in to another edition of the Tim McKernan Show here on the Inside STL Podcast Network. Tell your family, tell your friends, uh, subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher. Or you can listen on InsideSTL.com anytime you would like. Uh, I, I know on Barstool they like to say we have an emergency podcast. So, Derek, we're going to have an emergency podcast. Derek Gould is the guest in the HomeLoanExpert.com studios. Do we get Barstools? You know what? We should have done that. Yeah. We should have done that. We are in the HomeLoanExpert.com studios. Ryan Kelly and his staff, the sponsor of the studios, 1-800-991-6494 or online at the HomeLoanExpert.com. Ryan says if you are in the market to refinance, the end of the year is the best time to do so, and home values are climbing. So capitalize on it by going online at the HomeLoanExpert.com, and they make it so easy. Just go to the webpage, and you can get started and get it done. 1-800-991-6494. Or go online at thehomeloanexpert.com. And we wanted to get together. This is Monday, uh, December 18th at 1.18 p.m. And we feel like by 2 o'clock p.m. the whole content could could change. So this is not an evergreen podcast. Uh, But I wanted to get you in here uh, now that you're back from baseball's winter meetings. And I'll start here. I'll I'll do with one of those pointed questions like the McLaughlin group. Sounds good. Will the Cardinals. Or Donnybrook. I'm a Donnybrook. DVR. Now I'm going to go into ADD theater and we'll talk about Donnie Brook no, okay. for the next half hour and the great Martin we need Dugan. A sports Donnie Brook. I wanted to do Lewis. that. I, know. I, I went to KSDK, KMOV, and KTVI with my idea. Can for we real. call it Donnie Baseball Brook? That's not a bad idea. Again, why don't you just like Let's do, do your that. own thing? You're too uh, busy with so. trading yeah. <laughs> tr- trades and such. Here's my McLaughlin slash Donnie Brook group question Will the Cardinals make a deal? Of substance, so that way mm-hmm. I'm not just including some random deal. Because there will be one. Probably so. Day, yeah. Will the Cardinals make a deal before Christmas? So it's a, it's a hard yes-no question because it takes two, sometimes three to tango, right? From the Cardinals' point of view, yes, they would like to. They would like to have some sort of uh, finality on some of the conversations that they're having. They are, however, the chaser, and that means that you are at the whim of the chasee. So as much as the Cardinals would like to close on some of these deals or at least have resolution to some of them, in the end, they're at the whim of the Orioles. And they're, they're definitely at the whim of the Toronto Blue Jays. And they might be at the whim of the Toronto Blue Jays with Josh Donaldson, just if you're reading the tea leaves, because the Toronto may have interest in J.D. Martinez. Their team looks a lot different if Martinez says yes to the Jays 
and Donaldson is there, then if Martinez says no and goes to the Red Sox and completely upends that division even more so. So you could kind of see mm-hmm. how there are there are Dominoes. elements of this that are beyond the Cardinals' control. And that has been the case for a while. You know, the Cardinals have wanted to be... I mean, look, the, the best thing that the Cardinals can do, and this is true of any team that is chasing, is be poised to make the deal, have the best offer on the table when it's time to make that deal. But they can't control when the deal is is made. I noticed that you mentioned, and it, we're just BSing, so it wasn't like a formal statement, but you mentioned the Blue Jays, you mentioned the Orioles. The one that, again, right, looking Tampa from... Bay, we could do that. That's the one yeah. that I, that I, I feel like... Again, this is a feel. makes the most sense. That's the one that I figure is probably going to wind up happening. Yeah, no, and and I, I I hesitated on that one not because or I didn't mention that one not because it it's not a reality, but um, you know that's a that's a classic one. Tampa is plotting, and there was conversation at the winter meetings exactly like, look, when are they just going to commit? Right, and commit to a rebuild, commit to a rebuild, you know, or and and go, you know, don't like hunt and pack and yeah. nibble away at the roster. Just go. Do do the straight on, you know, rip the Band-Aid and move on. So um, Tampa Bay is notoriously difficult to make a deal with. Um, that is particularly true. Whatever is beyond notorious, that's particularly true for the Cardinals. Um, for a long time, they, and this goes back to when Andrew Friedman was there, really, um, the Cardinals and Rays had difficult times lining up for deals because they saw players all the same. Their way they evaluated players, their their algorithm, whatever they were looking at, was so similar that it just no one could win a trade, and the Rays had to win. And this one, though, is more in part anyway financial, assuming Longoria is part of that deal. It's a big part of it, yeah. I mean, then, but that's also why the Cardinals would be interested in that because you you get a give back, right? I mean, if you take on a huge salary like that and you understand the Rays' motivation is to shed salary, then you say, well, we'll take that on, but we want some talent along with that huge contract, and that's Calame or Odorizzi or something, you know, something along those lines. Is Archer even in play? So Archer would be the huge deal, right? And Archer's in play because, you know, these two teams have talked about from our, from descriptions I've been given multiple times is that they've looked at just like myriad of scenarios. Like, what's a trade for Calame look like? Okay, what's a trade for Calame and Longoria look like? What's a trade for this guy and this guy and this guy and this guy? And that's also part of the complexity here is which of these trades do you want to pull off? Because one of the trades that they talk about, and I, I don't know which one, but one of them would tilt toward the Rays. You know, another trade that they talk about would t- tilt toward the Cardinals, but give, would give financial relief mm. to the race. So you can kind of see as to which one they want may not even line up. What and is your what is so your Archer's in play? But Archer would be huge. And what's Archer's status contractually? Uh, what three more years? I think it is. I mean, it's it's multiple. It's Chris Sale like. That's the be- that's the comparison. And what is your opinion of the three players? with Tampa and and how much of an impact that would have on the Cardinals, the good those three and would, the bad. I mean, that would radically shift the division, those three players, I think. I mean, you know, you'd have a Colome Gregerson kind of one two punch in the back end with um either, you know, with an Alex Reyes as a possible lightning bolt mm-hmm. for the bullpen. Um that's not anything the Cubs have. Uh Evan Longoria would add depth and name recognition to a lineup and a stability because his marketable quality is durability, um, you know, and what he will bring to third base, you know, good defensive player and maybe a change of scenery kind of bump. Um, you know, you don't know, but you can't bank on that. And then 
Archer is one of the standout right hand. I mean, you 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 know, if you can get the one thing though about Archer is how do you make that deal? This is this would be the question for me: is how do you make that deal without possibly losing the guy you already have in your system who might be Chris Archer? You know, and if, if Jordan Hicks is as I mean, he's special. He's a special arm. And if he's as good as some of the Cardinals think he can be, then do you, how do you make a deal where you don't lose that guy? And he draws comparisons to Chris Archer, maybe even a tick more. I mean, no, not not definitely more tick, a tick more velocity. So you know it, it, that's an interesting kind of dilemma for them. Mm-hmm. You know, and and that's that's the kind of cost you're talking about when you talk. But but they would change the division. Did and they may, they may have already changed the vision, let's be honest. Right. Oh, I, I would imagine that they yeah. have. People have already been saying that, and that that's why it's fascinating. I think fans are waiting so anxiously for whatever the next play is because John Mazzalek said last week when you were in Orlando, you know, that we're prepared to do more. Right. Um, how likely do you consider, by the way, that they will do more. Is that in your mind better than 90%? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think so. Yeah. I mean, well, they have, they want to add a closer. Um, they have to, in a lot of ways, add at least another reliever. You know, I was looking through their 25 man roster, um, you know, today and it's like, well, there's still a hole there in the bullpen that they could address. Is Calame, you think the one target? And then if, if, if so, no, then no, who- no. I mean, I think they they look at a lot of different things. I mean, we know of uh possible interest in Addison know, Reed, I Addison guess. Reed, and that's been an odd one. Um, and why is that odd? Know. I mean, there's just been multiple, there's been, what, he almost two, signed with, so it was tweeted out that he signed, signed with, with Philly. Yes. Yeah. And then he didn't, um, you know, at one point in time, I was told that the Cardinals had momentum for a deal with Reed and then that didn't happen. You know, it's like, what what exactly is going on here? And then that market then moved really fast and then didn't move at all, you know. And so it's just been, it's that's been an interesting one. It's been tricky to kind of, uh, you know, to know the pace of it, uh, of like, you know, when is, um, when is a move going to be made and um, what the two sides are. Because with free agency, you can kind of know when a deal is close, but, you know, you can't, can't always know with trades, right? Um, but when you look at uh, when you look at the market, there's still some difference makers out there when you talk about relievers. So they they got to add something like that, and then do they have greater interest in going the free agent route there? You think, or um, you know, yeah, I mean, oh, then then a trade, right? Uh, that's a good question. I mean, I think I don't know. The way it was described to me was they want to leverage them against each other. Yeah. Yeah. You know, have an interest in trades up to a point where that maybe gets you a lower cost in free agents. Have an interest in free agents where maybe that gets you the the better deal with trades. So uh, as long as the market exists on both, you can do that. It's when the guys who you want start vanishing that now all of a sudden, you know, you don't want to be the one that's Back left without a seat. Right. Yeah. Uh, regarding Chris Archer, as we talked about the Rays situation, uh, the wonderful Sea Monster executive producer of this fine podcast, uh, he looked it up while I was trying to look it up. He, uh, yeah, that's what the, that's the advantage of uh, just sitting there at the controls on the yeah. ones and twos. The Sea Monster pulls that up, uh, and I happen to actually feel my phone vibrate because oftentimes he'll text me in the middle of an interview, and then I get done with the interview, and all of his fine works were for naught. But uh, Archer, six years, twenty five point five million, two thousand fourteen through two thousand nineteen, plus. 2020 and 2021 club options. 
It's a nine million dollar club option, and now, so I nailed it. I said four. Yeah, well played, sir. Tip of the cap right. from memory. You feel wow. like you just came over the top of the sea monster there? Uh, no, I just feel like I feel like something sank in last week. Uh, Eleven million dollar club option um, is the with a two hundred. So it's exactly like buyout? sales. Yeah. Jeez, that's quite favorable. Uh, so that's that's the raise situation. Final question along the raise lines. Sure. What do you consider to be the most likely scenario? Colomay by himself, Colomay and Longoria, Colomay and Longoria, Archer. Colomay and Longoria seem to have the most kind of... And that's where the Cardinals would have an advantage, wouldn't they? Because for mm-hmm. other teams pursuing Colomay, and then they would want to maybe unload Longoria, those teams, Cubs, for example, wouldn't mm-hmm. have a spot for them. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, you look at what the Cubs have done, not exactly like they are in position to go get Colomay. Right, right. Right. I mean, right. actions always speak louder than words. And what, they went out and got Steve Ciszek? Um, and they Brandon Morrow. I mean, they seem to be throwing former closers at their problem. Um, and know. by the way, they don't. That I'm surprised by that though, because neither one of those guys. I realize Morrow was like one of the stories of October, mm-hmm. but I'm just kind of surprised they're so moving chips in on on those two guys. Yeah, so am I. I we mean, saw Ciszek here, and and Morrow had a great October, yeah. but I've seen plenty of teams over the years get burned by getting enamored by October's Cardinals. Yankees, October 2001, Tino Martinez. Yeah, well, uh, yeah, and you have injury history there and everything. I, I mean, I, I like Morrow. I mean, he's the one who brings absolutely sheer velocity out of the group that's available. I think he he was the one who had the highest average velocity on his fastball, and so there's really good signs of health there. But, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, a lot of work um, that, that he had in October. I, I'm not so sure how that carries over. However, if it does carry over, and he talks about, well, you know, I had a long season last year. I'm kind of showing some fatigue. And the Cubs brought it on themselves because all we heard from them all year long was how exhausted they were after a long October. <laughs> so then they go out and get a guy, get a guy who, who all he did was pitch in all seven games <laughs> yeah. of the World Series. So if they're, if, they, they're, if they're out to prove a point, then, uh, you know, then they did it. But kind of pricey. But regardless, you look at what the Cubs have done, it does seem like they're, I mean, they're just, they're getting numbers. You know, um, and they're not in the, the they're not in the same situation the Cardinals are with their farm system. You know, they spent a lot of their yeah. talent cachet on uh, on Quintana. So, and they still need a starter. I, I, I really, that's the thing. I mean, the Cubs. You know, I don't know. If, did you see that article? I think it was in the Sun Times about how the Cubs could wind up being like the '85 Bears, the 2016. Yeah, yeah, they're, right. they're, yes. they're, they're yeah. in a panic mode Steve already in that, Chicago. Yeah. Uh, so we we touched on. I think it's a little presumptive. I mean, can we all ease off? Pump the brakes on. The, on uh, well, the Cubs dynasty is nigh. Oh wait, no, no, it's not. I, we said the Houston <laughs> Astros dynasty is nigh. No, no, the, the Cubs are now wilting. I mean, I thought one of the most revealing comments, and I I, I put this in the Sunday in Sunday's story. One of the more revealing comments and true comments that that showed that kind of opened the curtains into how things are right now was Theo Epstein's, where he said, "We saw this as a seven-year window, which, oh by the way, lines up exactly with Chris Bryant's time before mm-hmm. he becomes a free agent. So, seven-year window, and he said we understood that there would be a bit of a transition play in place in seventeen eighteen when all the free agents came due. Yeah. Exactly." Yeah, I mean that's that's where you're at, and so now you see the Cardinals making a move, where they have now three guys that they've acquired. All of them have two years of control, eighteen and nineteen. So I, I just I think these two things in coordination, you kind of see like okay, these teams think they're gonna bunt heads for a long time, 
but one of them acknowledges it has a soft spot. The other one recognizes it has a soft spot, and you know they're adjusting accordingly. I think the two-year window thing that you talked about is fascinating just in general, but in particular in St. Louis yeah, because it's just not something that I can recall ever. ever. Yeah. yeah, and is this something that Mazalok has acknowledged? I read the article in the Post-Dispatch on I asked him about it, Sunday. and he batted it away. Okay. And, uh, okay, so I'll give him his say in it. That's fair. But tell me how this doesn't look that way. I mean, uh, tell me where it doesn't look that this is what they're doing. Right. I mean, they'll have seven or eight contracts that are set to expire in the coming years. Michael Walker will be free agent after the end of it. Matt Carpenter, guarantee, is up. Adam Wainwright, so Marcelo Zuna gone now so i mean that that's how many of the guys are the core then so they traded away the guy who would sign the longest which was steven piscotti you you even want to throw in the manager the manager's contract is up soon after that so um i mean there's everything yadier molina's contract is up a year after that so you know the, the transition there i mean it, it very much to me looks like they have defined a sweet spot to win here with this group as in the coming two years the question is, what do they do? How far do they reach? Yes, what is the cost? And what do they take from the future to add to this present? With And I think that's where Mo is going to stop short, where his point is, look, we, you know, his his comment to me was, you know, Bill DeWitt is always in this in the long haul, and that's my assignment, so I'm in this for the long haul. However, you see these teams, how they're built right now, and you see what is happening in the division, they might they might sense that this is a year to capitalize, make the most of it. And and I, I think there I think there's a lot to it. Every all all three guys that they've added are under control for two years. Gregerson's the only one who has any control beyond those two years. And, you know, if some of these other moves that they're talking about, the guys, you know, Colome is three years, Longoria's forever. Um, but Donaldson would be one year, Machado would be one year. I mean, some some of these things are in there. And if they go out and in January, find the starter that they like. I mean, you're talking about a two or three year deal then mm-hmm. too. So um, it just does seem like everything is hinging around this really narrow parameter of time. I have so many questions, and I hope I can remember to get them all in. So let me make sure. So speaking of moving chips all in, mm-hmm. which is, again is not what this organization has done, not at all, at least since the the turn of the century. So along those lines, the Cardinals moving chips in, all of them to get Machado historically wouldn't match their baseline behavior pattern. It's mm-hmm. fascinating because of that. So I'm surprised that they're even in those discussions, but it is real. Um, what is your assessment of it as we sit right now on December 18th at now 1.35 p.m.? And what do you think of the Cardinals' thought process on the risk-reward of... Manny Machado here for one year and then hitting free agency. Yeah, I mean, their preference would be not to give up many years of control for one. I mean, they just gave up 24 for two um, in the Azuna deal. I mean, they don't want to have that two, three prospect of 18 years of control for one. That is particularly true when they look at Alex Reyes and Luke Weaver and the upside that they believe exists, or actually not even upside, the now side of what they need those guys to do and the value that they have in on the team. So you can see how they'd be hesitant to help the Orioles rebuild for six months of Manny Machado, especially um, when you look to, you know, what they 
what they could do with Toronto and why that deal is so different is, you know, Toronto, if they want a major league ready guy, you're going to have less years of control. So like you have Gritchick who has three years of control, right? Or Harrison Bader, six years of control, but you don't want to make a deal where you're just leveraging so much of the future on six months. And that, that is something that just over and over again, the Cardinals have said that the have, have shown that they're allergic to him. And, you know, Mo reiterated that the, this weekend on KMOX where he talked about it's just not palatable to go two, three young players for one year of one guy. Um, now, you could argue they did that. I mean, not argue. You could point to the fact that they definitely did that with Matt Holliday. Um, but this seems to be... Um, an understanding that they are not in the business of acquiring guys banking on selling them to stick around. Mm -hmm. They, they are definitely doing their math now based on only having them for a year. Um, the price of Donaldson or Machado needs to also be explained that if it takes two or three prospects, it's really about the two prospects because you'll get the draft pick in return. And you know, that draft pick while not as, valuable as it once was is still you know in the third and you can still have an upside there or at least the purse benefit what kind of deal do you think machado is going to get as a free agent as a free agent uh well stanton was what 10 for 325 machado is in that probably eight nine year range uh more than 350 you know i mean to play shortstop like he can for the first, what, three, four years of the deal, and then third base with power, the la the final few. I mean, And his age. And his age. He's, he's 25 he's right crazy. now. crazy, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, he could go 10. I'm not sure. He, you know, he'll have the fancy opt-out in there at age 31, I'm sure, um, when he's a third baseman, and he can go and make new riches as a third baseman after, you know, a few years after Nolan Arenado absolutely blows that market wide open. Do you think the Cardinals would do something like that? Uh, they can. Do you think they would? Yeah, that's a good. I think. I think they would for a particular player. Um, I don't think they expect to do that for Machado. You know, and by that you mean you know that they that they. The, I get the sense that the Cardinals don't want to go and hang everything on having to win a bidding war when the biggest brawniest paybook paychecks in baseball are available. I mean, I get that distinct sense. I mean, that... So that if they got him, the, the full-court press him, would be on to try and lock him lock him in while he's here? But I don't think anybody thinks he's going to do that. Right. Everybody knows he's going to go to market. Everybody right. knows that everybody... I mean, everybody in baseball through the winter meetings is expecting the right. Machado, so Harper... I mean, look, just to give you some behind-the-scenes, Machado is represented by Danny Lozano. Albert Pujols' right? agent. Albert Pujols' agent. All right. Bryce Harper is represented by Scott Boris. All right, this is a power. These are power plays. I mean, you don't think those two guys want to go head to head to see who gets the biggest deal right. between their two clients? I and mean, they've they've had rivalries for they've had a rivalry for longer than those players have had a rivalry. I mean, it. I mean, it's setting up to be fascinating. But you get the biggest markets involved, and you get guys who can choose where they want to go geographically. What, what exactly, and this is a question for you, what exactly would the Cardinals sell those guys? 
I tr- that that's why my answer is I have no idea what they would do to keep Machado from hitting the free agent market. Nothing. So then that was where I was going. Yeah, yeah. So therefore, if they know that he is, or at least they're operating under the auspice that he is going to hit the free agent market, then they would do a deal mm-hmm. that's a one-year deal. Yeah. Which to me just makes, I don't want to say it makes no sense. It just doesn't match up with their behavioral It does patterns. not. But it so does. that's why I'm surprised this is still, at least supposedly, going on. So it sounds like you think it's going on. I, I mean, I do. Or no. I, and I think it has to. I think it has to do with, I mean, I don't know how far I know that they spoke to the Orioles and were like, well, that's a really high price. And it's not unusual for the Cardinals to go and talk to a team that has a third baseman on the market. Or, you know, a few years ago. Um, do you know what the price was, by the way? I don't. I know it was pitching talent, so I think we can safely acknowledge <laughs> that it's, you know, it's the top end. Um, you know, they'll ask for the best of the best, which is Reyes, um, Weaver, Hicks, um, you know, Flaherty, somewhat, you know, some combination of there. We know that it was a lot of years of control, so you're talking about 12-plus. Um, so you can start kind of a paint-by-numbers right. thing. But, um, you know, it goes back a few years just to give you a sense of how the Cardinals sometimes approach this landscape. Or not sometimes, always approach this landscape. The, the Cardinals had a I – I want to be sure I remember this correctly. I believe they had a rotation – it was stocked. I mean, they, they were they were set. They had five guys. They knew who the five guys were. They even have depth, so they were six. They were, this is several. This is a few years ago, and then uh, the word came out that they hadn't met with or talked to an agent of a starting pitcher. And like, oh, Cardinals are interested in starting. Well, Cardinals really weren't. They were interested in what the market was for starting pitchers. Mm-hmm. You know, you go and talk to an agent about what he's asking, then you have a pretty good sense of what other teams might trade mm-hmm. uh, to yeah. avoid the free agent. So a lot of the conversations they have are also to help them gather reference for other moves they want to make. Um, you know, sometimes it's just absolutely um, a red herring. Like a few years ago in 2011, they were bored. So They were uh, bored? Um, no, I'm just kidding. They weren't, they weren't bored. But um, That was an active offseason. Yeah, no, 2011, they had all this stuff with Albert Pujols going on, and only a very few people knew exactly what was that then those negotiations were going on. So the other guys had to do something, right? All the other members of the front office and analytics department, they had to do something. And so they they were tasked with trying to find out what the trade value were, was for some of the players that the Cardinals had no intention of trading. And you'll recall that there was like a, there was a report at one point in time that the Cardinals are shopping Kyle Loesch, which is like, no, they weren't. But they were asking what they could get in return yeah, for Kyle Loesch. Yeah. And so Kyle Loesch had to be called and said, no, look, this is wasn't ever supposed to, We're not shopping you. We're happy with you. We're glad that you're part of the team. We're not looking. But they wanted to get a sense of what a starter could command in return. So they do something like that. And you could see how going to talk to the Orioles to get a sense of, um, I don't want to downplay that because they're interested in Machado, they get it. But um, yeah, you understand what the asking price for Machado is. Might have a pretty good feel for what the asking price should be for Donaldson. I see. Or what the value play for a Longoria is. Or what a free agent like Mike Moustakis, how, how much does that fit? Um, you know, and that's not to say that all of those guys are equal, but you put it on a sliding scale based on control, based on talent, and based on the acquisition costs, which you hear a lot about, then you can, then they can do a really good power ranking 
of which one they want to go after. So with all of that said, does that make sense? Yeah, no, it absolutely yeah. doesn't. It's fat and it's and it's an element of this discussion. It's I like hadn't... shopping for a new car. Yeah, your price. Not all cars are the same, but you're going to go out and test drive even one that you cannot afford because you're like, well, how do I do? I really like the leather seats. Are they really worth that much? Do I really? You know, I mean, you, you do that, right? Well, I I don't. You know, I, I, I don't. I don't. I drive a I drive a minivan and oh. just do my best with it. Okay. It's been a long time. I mean, it's been since the nineties that I got a new car, so I'm not sure what to say here. No, but I, that, cars that, that, that thought process, I love the, the meta, so to speak, yeah. element of it, even though maybe it's not even that meta, but I, I love the, uh, the thought oh, yeah, process, not alone but you're this. not, but you're not, but to be clear, yeah, you're not saying that's what they're doing with Machado. No, but, but that's a benefit. Right. And so they go, they get the asking price. They go, wow, that's really high. Let us know. If maybe it's not so high, right. but we have a better idea. I just, I mean, that's to so me, high. it just, it, I mean, listen, it would be thrilling for them to acquire Manny Machado. I mean, mm-hmm. I would imagine it would be for you as the, the beat writer, for me as somebody who hosts a show, hosts a podcast, spring training already has some, uh, already yeah. has some, some juice to it. That, oh, I mean, that the Lizard before. King really changed The Lizard thing. King's a game changer. Yeah. Jupiter resident, of course. I'm sure he'll give us a tour of his home. But on Fox Sports Midwest, on Fox Sports Midwest. But but now you're talking about some of these other guys, and you're going, my God, this thing is a it's a world changer. Well, that's to me is what's really saying out. And again, and I wanted to write that story on Sunday was like, look, this is a different look to what the Cardinals are doing. Now, maybe in the end, it's all very familiar. Oh, okay, well, but the way they're being, they're so active and. For the most, I mean, look, I, I had people come up to me and one guy goes, well, you got to be the busiest guy here, second busiest to Mo and Gersh, or third busiest to Mo and Gersh with all this stuff going on. Uh, I had an agent come up to me and say, they are involved in everything. You can't turn the corner without the Cardinals <laughs> being mentioned. Now, some of that is just the Cardinals being mentioned, um, but some of that is a real sign that, look, they're, they're playing a lot. And there is no team in this market that had more prospects to offer, better prospects to offer, and more money to take on than the Cardinals. It's just that that doesn't. It's just not there. You had more teams of those of that ilk, like the Yankees and the Dodgers and stuff like that, trying to shed payroll to get underneath the luxury tax. Whereas the Cardinals were like, "Well, we can take it on." Yeah. Oh yeah, and we got prospects. And there is, I mean, look, the, the, if you take unbiased industry observers and ask them to measure. The pat the offers for Stanton, I would be surprised if it's not unanimous that the Cardinals was the best offer. Sandy Alcantara was the best player offered to them for that, and it's entirely possible if Sierra was a part of that, which we don't know if he was or not. But if Sierra was a part of that, and some outfielder was in, involved in that, whether it was Jose Martinez or or Sierra or somebody else, but I'm going to guess we probably now maybe Sierra was involved. That might have been the second best player involved. Wow. So you think about what the offers were for those, for Stanton, and it speaks to exactly where the Cardinals are. They could offer the better prospects. They could take on almost $250 million of that contract. You know, they they made an uncharacteristic offer. So why can't it be expected that there are going to be an uncharacteristic winter? Very fair point. Very fair point regarding the potential yeah. for next season, next off season, or maybe during the season, if Machado were to come here. Right. So let me ask this regarding Stanton, because I feel like there's a a level to this discussion that 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 still needs to take place. And for those who have zero interest in hearing about it, uh, the the wizardry of the podcast is you can simply just 
skip along and press the 15 forward. That, that's a great way to describe yeah. it and, and move on. But I want to dig into this because we haven't had I a often conversation. I want to pause 15 seconds in an answer. Just so if people skip forward, then it just picks right up. That's what I need to do with the commercials. Yeah. yeah. That's what I really need to do with the commercials. So Stanton goes to the Yankees. It happens. It really starts picking up on a Friday. It's announced on Monday. And then that, therefore, the news cycle with it didn't really allow a, a, a sports talk radio, so to speak, discussion outside of, oh, he's with the Yankees. The Cardinals tried. I wonder what happened. I saw you and the cat. I watched that entire press conference attempt to get answers from Stanton himself as to what happened. So let me go through this. And the reason why I want to go through this is because I want to try and gauge your interpretation of the appeal of coming to St. Louis, because I think that can then impact what we're talking about with, for example, Machado, a guy who's also a free agent in Donaldson, although at a different point in his career, right. and other players in general who are on the free agent market. Should the Cardinals go that direction here at this point in the offseason? So your understanding of what took place with Stanton is what? Do you buy the line that I wanted to go to a team that was ready to win in 2018? I don't, for the record. I buy that when he's explaining San Francisco. I don't buy it on St. Louis. And I this is, of course, based on absolutely nothing outside of intuition. Uh, oh, that's an interesting way to put it. I buy it with, like you, I buy it with San Francisco. Uh, I buy it to a point with St. Louis. Um, if he had said that in the room, you know, and this is the example that I gave when I was trying to write about, or well, when I wrote about the fact that they could get a window to convince him, right? Could they get in the room and have the, the, the classic story the um, of Epstein and Hoyer having Thanksgiving dinner with Schilling? For the Red Sox. For the Red Sox, yeah. yeah. Could they get that Thanksgiving dinner essentially with Stanton and make their case? Well, in that case that the Red Sox made to Schilling, they wrote him a letter and they said, we think we have a really good team. We think with, you know, the rotation is there, but what the rotation is missing is a guy like you. We think with that rotation in place, we could be a championship team. And, he, and, they, uh, and then they put something along the lines of, that is our plan. Our plan is you. All right. So if that's almost what you should, I mean, that's what should have been said to Stanton. Okay, fine. You think the Cardinals are a year or two away from being contenders. They're not with you. Okay. If you're in it, they contend the moment you put on the jersey. And that was the part to me where, like, when he saw their roster and he saw how they're built up, did he go, well, that team can't contend in 2018? Or did he put himself on it and go, Oh, well, maybe that, you know, uh, and did he really look at the Cardinals team and go, even with me there, they can't contend? Because that's the one that doesn't compute for me. I get it if he looked at it and said, that team's not going to win the division. I get it completely. Because uh, we would all say the same thing. Mm -hmm. But if he did not go, well, that that team with me would not right. win the division, I think that's a little bit disingenuous um, or a little bit off. Um, you know, now he may see some of the erosions on the starting or some of the risks in the starting rotation that we also see, but you got to imagine that the Cardinals told him, Hey, we're going to make these moves. We're going to do this. This is what we're trying to do. Um, and he just didn't buy it or he just is using that. And I think this is your point just to legitimize a wish to go to the coast. Yes. And, just, was and I think that to was, come here. I think that was the most because part. of the four teams that he eventually acknowledged. Mm -hmm. I'm still not sure that that was 
really, because here's my my premise again, and mm. I might be overanalyzing this. I, I might have gone into the daily fantasy sports and poker world way too deep, and I'm in a dark place. Okay, but but this is where I am. Come back to us. <laughs> I kind of like it down here. But if you really want to go to the Yankees and or the Dodgers, fine. But then including the Cubs and the Astros on there, were the Cubs and Astros ever really even in the realm of a possibility of a landing spot? Uh, I mean, it, it's it's worth noting that he picked the final four teams. In well, I know, but I'm so it's but not that's like my point. some like you know rocket scientist, or you know he didn't go who's set for the future. He's like who won in the past, right? You know, so but that's I mean, my I, point. I think Houston it was to cover... explored it. They 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 explored it. They were like, well, what what would it take? Well, we can't do that money. You know, but they kind of had a nose that maybe, you know, their future situation or there's the size of their city or whatever would be of an appeal to him. American League, you know, whatever. But, mm-hmm. then, you know, the owner got, you know, said they got down the tracks to at least explore it, but then couldn't meet what the financial obligation was. And the Marlins weren't eager to give back too much of that finance or right. they wanted relief. from right. it. So the match wasn't there. But I, I tend to think that, like you said, like this was this was Dodgers and this was. Um, Yankees and actually to be honest this was probably Dodgers get to the Dodgers get to the Dodgers try to get to the Dodgers um, Giants and Cardinals really don't fit when that this isn't right um, call the Marlins bluff have the Yankees say well we're the Yankees we'll try and then uh, say have them say yes yeah calling that, the Marlins that, bluff was like the most ABC poker play of the that offseason. was huge that was the moment that was, I mean, it if, was the so have, if the Cardinals so have, if the Cardinals have any like frustration, spotted Teddy KGB with the Oreo obscure rounders yeah. referenced 1996, 97. You ever see it, Matt Damon? Yeah, 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 yeah. Rounders, you're not, you're not yeah. into it. That's fine. I'll stay down. Here I like by rounders. All right, it was a good movie. Great movie. Yeah, started the poker boom. Chris Moneymaker. Really? Chris Moneymaker and rounders, absolutely. Yeah. Well, Chris Moneymaker, absolutely. With those like lizard glasses. <laughs> no, that's Greg Fosselman oh, Raymer. Sorry. See, this is what happens. You get in a studio with me, and all of a sudden we need to like snort five ri- lines of riddle, and otherwise it's just we're in a all different right. world. I don't even know the hell. Oh, Chris about. Moneymaker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got it. My, no, I mean, you're... my point is, I just don't believe. I and I hope I'm wrong, mm-hmm. but and, and, and I'm I'm in bringing in Hayward two off seasons ago. Fowler the past off season. Yeah. And Stanton, and then I wonder, okay, is there a perception? Yes. Okay, well then, if that's the case, does that hinder the organization's ability to bring people yes. to this team? Okay, then that's a problem. Well, you can't change it, though. But why is it different now than 10 years ago? Because teams got smarter, everybody got richer, other teams started So you're winning. saying it's a team thing I'm saying and not that- a city thing? Well, it can be a city thing, too. Cardinals, I mean, St. Louis is not going to change its geography. You know, I mean, if it does, then we have bigger problems. If St. Louis has a beach, we have bigger problems. <laughs> if if the global media galaxy moves to St. Louis, then we have problems, right? I mean, look, St. Louis has to... It, I don't understand why St. Louis can sit and say, well, Minnesota, no wonder they have a hard time getting free agents. Or Milwaukee, man, who would want to go there? That, wake up, man. You guys have to overcome some of those same things, too. Cardinals have to overcome some of the same restrictions that they mock of smaller teams. All right? What's the difference between Kansas City and St. Louis? St. Louis has more money, right, than, and a better history. Well, if they keep stressing the history thing to guys who want to care about winning now, you know, that it's not going to work. Um, you know, and that's something that we spoke about at the very beginning. You cannot go to Giancarlo Stanton and say— 
I mean, I think it's, I don't know the answer to this, but I think if you ever could get a clear answer, it would be fantastic is if you go to Giancarlo Stanton and say, hey, does playing for a team with 11 championships and the most robust history in the National League matter to you? Or does access to Madison Avenue, which matters to Mm -hmm. you? And basically, for a long time there, the Cardinals, because they had more money, because they had a better team, because they had Albert Pujols in the middle of the order, because they had Tony La Russa as manager, because they had all of these things that nobody else in this entire time zone had, had all these edges. They could afford the bigger guys. Well, everybody can now. You know, look at how much money the Brewers spent on Jeff Supon or Kyle Loesch or some of these guys who are already here. Everybody's got money now. The delightful Giovanni Gallardo is going the back to the Giovanni Gallardo. <laughs> so everybody has money now. Oh, well, the Cardinals' edge used to be that they had, you know, young players and that they were always in possession of the division crown because of their development and because of their um, their acuity for acquisition was greater than any teams. Well, newsflash, the Cubs are really good at it. The Cubs are really good at it. And the Cubs then come swooping in, and the Cubs can send a, sell an error to, and this is the most fascinating part to me, and wrote, wrote the heck out of it there for a long time. Now I don't get to, but I loved writing about it. Was the Cubs could come in, come to the table, and say, come join us in the greatest quest left in, Nash, in North American right. sport. Try to win a championship for the first time in this town in 108 years and be a legend for the rest of your life, right? What, what's, what's the Cardinals' equivalent of that? You know what? It doesn't exist because they don't want it to. Their brand is not going 108 years. <laughs> but if that's the story that a player latches on to, you, you can't compete with that, right? If if a player wants to go to a larger city. And the other part of this that is also bears mentioning is you talk about when the Cardinals had success holding on to guys or landing guys. A lot of them were traded for and kept. Traded that's for correct. and kept. Traded for so and I'm kept. thinking of McGuire, Edmonds, and Rowan, but also and look then at, Holiday right. seven years later. But also look at where they were in their lives. Yes, and this is okay. something you talked this about in the Ryan huge. Kelly morning after. Yeah, I couldn't agree with more. Well, go ahead. Look I'm at where stepping they, all over you. Look at, no, it's okay. Look at where they are in their lives. You know, um, Young 30s for Matt Holiday, uh, Scott Rowland about to start a family, um, Jim Edmonds, you know, was a father already. Um, th- these guys are at different spots in their career than baseball is bending right now because guys, because players are debuting younger. They're becoming regulars younger. And one of the reasons, or one of the fallouts from that is they're becoming free agents younger. Hayward, Hosmer, uh, Machado, Harper. These guys are all hitting free agency when they're still in their 20s. They're, they're not, you know, they're not racing towards the school system. You know that we heard all about with Mike Hampton. They're they're looking for the best city, the city of their choice. Increasingly, you see them making choices not just on who's going to contend for a long time, because everybody can. Um, well, not everybody, but two thirds of the, of baseball can yeah. at least say we can contend. Um, whereas you know, other team. Uh, maybe 10 say they can't. But then from that 20 that you get to choose from, you can choose your geography as to where you want to go. And let me add this one final little spot to it is when you were, when the Cardinals were ahead of this, how many spots in the playoffs were there? I see what you're saying. So, I mean, you're talking about the one wild card, the one wild card era. So now that's expanded too. Yeah. And that is, so every team has a, a lot more, Teams have a chance to win, making teams much more hesitant to go into seller mode on July 31st. Exactly, and and 
really pitching free agents on the fact that you're the difference between a wild card and a division That's for us. And even if we get the wild card, then we're in the dance and we can go crazy then and win championships. So all of the different ways that the Cardinals had an edge, if you, regardless of where you want to look, you name an edge that the Cardinals had 10 years ago, 12 years ago, seven years ago, it has been diminished. So you want to know why John Mozeliak talked about at, at that press conference where he said they're moving him out to the presidency and he talked about one of the things that he wanted to spend time doing was finding where the Cardinals could regain their edge and trying to get them at. This is why. This is exactly why. The Cardinals really good at developing pitchers. You know what other teams did? They modeled themselves after the Cardinals. Mm -hmm. You know what teams that are really good at developing pitchers now because they borrowed from the Cardinals. Mm -hmm. um, I was told by an executive with a division rival who said, we have all caught up. That's got to be scary for the Cardinals. They got to find something new. Yeah. What's the new? So the final question. You know what the new is? What's the new? Being uncharacteristic. Which is exactly what it seems like they're doing this offseason. Yep. Hey, thanks for listening to the Tim McKernan Show. And uh, we certainly enjoyed bringing it to you here over the last three months. It has been fun to have the caliber of interviews and also the questions people ask for questions from the audience. And all we ask is this. Please support the sponsors. When it gets down to it, it is a business, and we are lucky to have the caliber of sponsors that we have in addition to the caliber of guests that we've had. And James Carlton of the James Carlton Agency is one that I ask you to support because I know this, everybody's got to have insurance. So if you got to do it, do it with somebody who not only is a supporter of the show, but also somebody who receives awards for the caliber of service he and his staff provide at the James Carlton Agency. James Carlton, a state farm agent. 90% of homeowners in Missouri escrow their premium with their mortgage and have no idea what they're paying or what they're covered for. Call James today to protect your biggest asset. In fact, go to his website right now and go check them out at carltoninsurance.net. Call James, 314-961-4800. Call James, and he very well can get you better coverage and start saving you money. In fact... He often can include $100,000 in life insurance without even increasing your payment. The switch is easy. They do all the paperwork for you. just takes one phone call or apply online at carltoninsurance.net. People do business with James because they like him and they trust him. He is local, and he has established himself as one of the best in the business. James Carlton, State Farm Insurance Agent. Final question, and this is irresponsible because I know you have to go. And this, right. could, this could lead into another half hour. And then I have a conference call coming up, so I got to go. So here it is. Fans, for some fans. Thanks for the monologue, by the way. What's that? I got a monologue there. Oh, did you? Yeah. Was yeah. that a monologue? Was it really? Because I kind of, when I like, Felt like it. arguing with somebody, I'll go, thanks for the monologue. And I feel like I'm kind of passive aggressively shipping them. So did you just ship me? No, no, I'm I'm saying thanks. Oh, you know, I'm that, in, that I stayed I'm, in your situation? Yeah, that you allowed me to expand <laughs> on that. Oh, and, your monologue. Yeah, yeah, my monologue. I'm thinking, my God, I only talked no, no. for seven seconds. No, I'm, I'm saying thanks guy. for giving me the monologue. <laughs> oh, no, I enjoy a good monologue. Yeah, yeah. That's why I love a podcast. We can go no. forever. All right. Some fans, probably a lot, like that guy who hashtags everything Dyke that tweets it, and I still don't know what that's about, but I need to get him in the studios. Wow. Uh, some fans will assume or have assumed, just because they don't like Mike Matheny, that this is a self-fulfilling prophecy that Stanton didn't want to come here because it's no fun, because of Matheny, 
because so he of went a to a team Bible that got culture. a rookie manager. I'm just putting it out there as is attempting to get your perspective on that. I just don't think he didn't want to. I think he didn't want to live in St. Louis. That's essentially what I think it came down to. We will never know because I doubt he's going to be issuing that over Instagram. I think he wanted to play in a larger city. Right. And God bless him. And he might actually say that. And and he wanted to play on a bigger stage. And I think naming the Cubs and the Astros was part of the cover bluff. But whatever. I could be wrong. Uh, These are all my weird theories. I don't think the Astros were a cover bluff, but I'm not sure he would have accepted that. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So along those lines. I like that phrase, though. Cover bluff? Mm -hmm. I don't even know if it makes sense. But along those lines, for those who think that that might be factoring into free agents and or people not waiving trade clauses, no trade clauses. Right. Do you think that that is in play? Do you think that's a perception around baseball that this is the no-fun zone? Oh, um, I think the Cardinals have the perception of being a business-first type of team. Um, I don't know whether that's no fun or not. I do know that, you know, that's part of their, they're an august, you know, regal kind of team, um, you know, and they, they have to play baseball this way, the right way. I do know that that's appealing to some players. So some players want that. Some players look for that. Um, is it the best of the best players? Well, you have to find the best of the best players who want that. Um, I, I do know, though, that John Lackey is pretty good for the Cardinals. Um, Jason Hayward, pretty good year for the Cardinals. Um, that there have been characters who fit in with the Cardinals, um, who don't feel suppressed. And in the end, the root cause of all this is if you win. You know, I don't think you heard a whole lot about how the 2013 Cardinals weren't a fun group. You know, now, to be fair, we did hear a lot about the Cardinal way that year. And the Cardinal way was somehow warped from a handbook or a style of play or a style of development into some kind of virtue, um, some kind of virtuous element that the Cardinals had for the kind of men they were. Um, and the manager was a part of that. The, the way the manager talked about the Cardinal way added these virtues. Even though, to the, it. if I'm wrong, this is a George Kissel thing going it's, back from decades. It's, yeah, it's a George Kissel book. Well, going back about a decade, they rewrote it and. And you know uh, George LaRock and so it and has Mike nothing Schilt to do with and with John Morris. Yeah, it does it's, not. It's, it's, I mean, the, the the closest from from reading what I have read of the Cardinal Way Handbook, the closest it gets to personality and perception is actually the chapter that Matheny wrote about catchers, where he says, you know, like a quality that a catcher must have, that a Cardinal catcher must have, is being conscientious. That's about as close as it gets to talking about virtues. But it was kind of. It got kind of out of control, and, you know, Moselak brought that up, and Mike at one point in time, um, I remember, I believe he was talking to me and Bernie Miklas um, at one point in time said that it got carried away, and that there was a leap that was made that, you know, the cardinal way was somehow better, creating better people. That's wrong. Okay, so that perception seems to have faded. However, that perception was never really seen as a negative because they were winning, mm-hmm. right? It mm-hmm. was it was fodder for sarcasm. It was fodder for critics. But was it holding players away, this notion? Not really. No, mm-hmm. they were winning. Um, it's the same thing like with a clubhouse. When you, know, when you hear things about, well, the clubhouse is frustrated, the clubhouse is frustrated, check the standings, you know? And moreover, an, an added part of this, too, and I don't think this can be stressed enough, 
is the Cardinals, despite having winning records over the past two years, they have not been the team that they recognize. And that is almost as difficult for a clubhouse to kind of absorb and understand and react to as if they were just a poor team. Yeah. You know, when you play a style of baseball that you don't recognize, like, you know, shoddy defense, poor base running, lack of offense, all of these things, you know, you're not just questioning the standings at that point in time. You're questioning the route you took to those standings. And that was a real source of frustration for this team. You know, not only that they weren't as good as they imagined, but how they were being bad was just foreign to them. Yeah. And, and I think that those things have a far more, um, a far bigger to do deal to do with the perception of this team than um, anything else, you know. And I, I get where people want to go with the manager and everything like that, but, you know, if you open up your ears, you hear the same frustrations about, you know, Joe Madden and, you know, what was he doing on the biggest stage and what do players want to do there and, you know, what kind of clubhouse was that? Um, and you just you just recognize that winning and contending and being a team that is consistent shines out above any other thing. And when teams don't have that, then people start looking for holes and they find it in clubhouse, you know, culture or the manager or anything like that. Mm-hmm. So basically it's just you're trying to fill in the vacuum to explain why a team's not winning. And when a team wins, you don't need to fill in that blank. Derek Gould. It's always good to talk with you. I love these discussions. That's I, good. I, I do. I enjoy just That's sitting good. here and just letting our minds, when I go deep down and I start coming up with can bizarre theories. That, can I mention that we're going to put this on the best podcast? Of course you can. Yeah. So Inside SBL, we are, we, are, we, are, we are a free-for-all. So uh, for those of you listening on the best podcast in baseball, God bless. For those of you listening on Inside STL Podcast Network, we've got interviews with uh, Gary Pinkle, Jack Danforth, who you have a rapport with as well. I do. Uh, mm. I understand him great... having a rapport with you. I don't understand him having a rapport with me. Because I'm a political science major? Uh, well, I, I, I'm, I don't know what I am. I don't know what I am. I'm eight hours short of a degree. I know that. Are <laughs> and you? I'm a hoodlum. I am. What, what eight hours do you need? I don't know. I don't think I'm going to tend to that at oh, this okay. point. I mean, I'm I have some. Actually. Trying to win on DraftKings this weekend. That's my focus. <laughs> oh, thank you. Really? Yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll call the journalism school and let me so let's see if I can walk in May. Yeah. Uh, Gary Pinkle, Jesse Park, Edward, right? Chris Kerber. Uh, coming up, we have uh, Mike what Bush. Year, Mike you Kelly? graduated? 98. Same as you, right? No, 97. Oh, all right. Yeah. Should have graduated 98. I did walk. Did you? I did. I took my Which son is so to embarrassing. There's a picture of me accepting the fake diploma in the walk. Oh, really? What an ass. Oh, I know you want to put this on Best Pie, so i got to keep my language in check uh, for you. That's okay. Ass is fine, I think. Ass is fine. Yeah, you yeah. can't go, I can't go any deeper. The yeah. point wild being... Wild donkey is what my son says. <laughs> for Derek's son, wild... For my son, in case he starts podcasting yeah. at three months. Uh, wild donkey. But uh, yeah, Chris Kerber, uh, we have Mike Bush, Mike Kelly, Jim Talent coming Excellent. in uh, all this week. We had a big week. Mike Bush. Mike Bush. I can't wait to talk with Mike Bush. There's so much to get into with him. Larry Connors just went up this week. That was fascinating. Holy smokes. Uh, I worked Mike Bush is a good friend. Good man. I'm looking forward to that one. There's so much to get into. That could be a two-hour one if he has mm-hmm. the time. Uh, Mike Kelly, who we both, we both know from the University of Missouri, that'll be another good one. Yeah. Um, Jim Talent, can't wait to talk to him. Dave Glover, who was on, said that's the guy that he thinks very highly of in politics. Lux from The Point. 
I feel like I'm leaving people out, Sea Monster, and I don't I don't intend to do that. Isaac Bruce. Anyway, the point is, if you've missed him, a lot of these podcasts are evergreen. This one probably won't be. It'll change materially very soon, but uh, we want to get it up as soon as possible so people can get updated both on the best podcast in baseball and the Inside STL Podcast Network from the HomeLoanExpert.com studios. Derek, thank you so much, sir. Thanks. And for, for the Sea Monster and Nick Yale. Uh, our photographer on this. I'm Tim McKernan. Thank you so much for listening to another edition of the Tim McKernan Show from the HomeLoanExpert.com studios on the Inside STL Podcast Network.